the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. Buckle up and start your engines. This is You Ought to Know with Dave Stahl. With 30-plus years of automotive experience, Dave is here to educate you on everything from repairing your vehicle to the latest industry news and trends. If it's automotive, Dave covers it. It's time for You Ought to Know with Dave Stahl. On The Answer, San Diego. Hi, folks. Welcome back. You're listening to the You Auto Know Show, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer, this hour is brought to you by Southwest Point of Sale. If you've got a grocery store, liquor store, you need to check out uh, Self Checkout. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? Just go 800-540-2149. If you have a small business, they'll come in, take a look. You can save money on employees, and the whole system costs less than a cash register. Give them a call, 800-540-2149. Hot Rods and Custom Stuff. If you're into Hot Rods, you definitely need to check these guys out. Go to HotRodsCustomStuff.com. All right, Shad Blocks, he is the General General Motors Communication Manager, and he wants to talk about technicians. Take a listen. Well, you folks know I talk about this all the time, and that's the lack of technicians in the industry. Uh, We've kind of gotten away from teaching our guys and girls how to work on cars, build things, electrical, plumbing. Everybody's pushing college, 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 which is fine. But if we ignore the technicians of the world, you're going to be pushing your car, not driving it. So we got Shad Bloch. He's a director of Chevy Communications. And Chevy has decided they have to make a difference. So Shad, what are you guys doing over at Chevrolet to fill this void? Uh, I mean, we're talking about the Silverado heavy-duty pickup truck, right? The new one that just came out? Ah, I thought we were talking about auto tech jobs in high demand. But no, we can talk about the Silverado. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. I love it. It's a good bait and switch, keep me on my toes. Well, that's true, and I, mean, I know you could address the auto tech program that Chevrolet's doing, but let's talk about the Silverado. Let's do that. Yeah, well, they sort of, it's sort of relevant because the, you know, the new Silverado heavy-duty pickup truck, that is our workhorse. I mean, that truck is, is what is designed for, for workers. They're very purpose-built. It's not something that if you just want to drive a pickup truck, you go down to the Chevy dealer and pick up. This is something that is for a specific job, roofing, plumbing, something like that. So the 24 model year we just showed this past week, uh, it's on display at the State Fair of Texas. And um, it's an all-new, redesigned interior, horsepower and torque improvements under the hood, more towing capability, and more technology for when you're towing big, heavy trailers. Okay. All right. And this will be considered a 2024? Yeah. So it's the 24 model year. Um, and it, it just sort of builds on, you know, the legacy and the heritage that we have for our heavy-duty tr- pickup truck business. But it just takes it to a step further, and it, it really 
takes into account all of the feedback we heard from our truck customers about what they wanted to see in their heavy-duty pickup truck. So that's what we've done, and we're very excited to bring this to the marketplace. It's kind of like ask and you shall receive. Yeah, absolutely. You know, improved horsepower. We, we now have, you know, the legendary Allison transmission. The 10-speed transmission is now standard in both the gas and the diesel motor, whereas before uh, it, it replaced the six-speed that was available in the gas engine. So we have, the, you know, a better transmission that allows for shorter steps in between at lower gears, which means that you get a punch off the line easier when you're, when you're towing. It makes towing that much easier and seamless. Right. And, and, you know, that Allison transmission has been the best thing you guys ever came out with. Yeah, truly a, you know, a very valuable collaboration that we have with Allison uh, to develop that transmission. Because, you know, when you're towing 36,000 pounds, that puts a lot of strain on that gearbox. And so you need to have something that's durable, not just to, to be able to move it, but to keep it cool when you're underway. And so that collaboration has been amazing. And then, of course, our Duramax diesel, the 6.6-liter diesel engine, that horsepower bumped up to 475 horsepower, 975 pound-feet of torque. So that's a massive improvement for power and performance that allows you to haul just about anything that you want to hook up behind that truck. Exactly. And it's, and it's really all about, you know, the work truck because, I mean, without a good quality vehicle – you know, the job's not going to get done. And I think Chevrolet is really working hard to make that uh, a reality. Because I'm telling you, I'm seeing more and more 250s uh, and the larger trucks, not only in the construction world, but towing race trailers. You know, I support a lot of the local racetracks, and I can't tell you how many Chevrolets I'm seeing pulling tow, uh, pulling race trailers. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that was a big part of what we heard from our customers was, look, this is going to be something that's a daily driver, but also needs to double as a, you know, workhorse. So we redid the interior entirely to bring it up to speed and in line with our 1500 pickup truck. So it's got all the technology, the big 13.4 inch infotainment screen, the 12.3 inch configurable display in front of the driver, all of the te that technology, which used to be for our 1500 customers, has now been moved up into the heavy-duty truck space because that's what our customers want. Well, exactly. And, you know, when it comes to the – I mean, let's face it, that truck is, is like an office space. You know, the, 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 the people that drive that truck have got to be able to work in that truck. Absolutely. There's power outlets all over the place in the bed and inside – there's plenty of space for you to open up a laptop if you need to, if you're out on a job site. And then, of course, the technology for hooking up a trailer. I mean, there are 14 cameras positioned on this truck that can basically, you know, almost connect a trailer for you. It's that intuitive and that simple. And then, of course, technology like adaptive cruise control for trailering, which this is new for the first time in, in heavy-duty pickup trucks. It, it accommodates the weight of a trailer as you accelerate, as you change lanes, and then as you brake, because it's obviously very different when you're towing to use adaptive cruise control. So all of that is just to make it, you know, safer for sure, but also just ease, more easy and convenient for people. I, I mean, I think we saw over the pandemic, people were hitting the road, towing their trailers, towing their toys more than ever. More people are driving an HD pickup truck than ever before. And so that's what, uh, what we wanted to do here is make sure we got something that made it easy and safe for them. Yeah, 
without a shadow of a doubt. And, and you know, let's face it, you know, you know, people that use these vehicles, you know, they don't have time to be messing around. If things got to do the job, do the job right, stay, and be dependable, and get decent fuel mileage, which you're able to do that as well. Yeah, I mean the you know the the fuel economy is, is with the uh, ten speed Allison. We haven't put out the numbers yet, but that helps when you have more gears in there that allow you to keep the engine the low RPM. That saves fuel. So when we do get ready to talk about fuel economy numbers, I'm sure that we'll be able to see how the impact of the ten speed is on fuel economy. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, I, I'm sure you've driven the truck, right? I have. I have indeed. Have you gotten, has anybody else, like, because you're at the Texas Auto Show, I mean, Texas Fair, did you allow uh, consumers to drive it over there and get some feedback? Not yet, not yet. So we just revealed it last week. So gotcha. we won't start building until, you know, the first quarter of next year. And at that time, we'll let, uh, you know, our friends and media get behind the wheel and see what it's like. Now, this is a three-quarter ton? Yes. Are you doing uh, anything uh, to the 1500 uh, uh, in, in, in conjunction with this, or is this a, a, speci a specific build? Well, the 1500, you know, we just redid that uh, earlier this year. So that one we just started selling a little right. bit ago. Yeah. But right. we do plan to do a ZR2 version of the heavy-duty truck for the first time. So, you know, ZR2 is our off-road pickup truck that we carried from Colorado then into light duty earlier this year, and we announced with the reveal of the HD that we're going to do a ZR2 for heavy duty for the first time. Okay, gotcha. All right. Um, anything uh, different? I mean, that's, that's really that stands out to you because I know you're a truck guy. Yeah, I mean, for me, it is the exterior looks. So, I mean, these are big trucks with big motors and power plants under the hood. And the, my, my colleagues in, in GM design, they really did a good job of just updating the front end, making it look more aggressive. There's a really cool lighting sequence where when you walk up to the vehicle and unlock it, the daytime running lights do a little dance for you. And then when you leave, it does the same thing when you leave. It just is a very sharp-looking truck. It looks like, it, it, like it's designed to do what it does, which is just to move stuff. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so... Now that I've got you on the line, we're, are you able to talk about uh, Chevrolet you know, looking for automotive technicians in 2025? Yeah, I mean, our dealers are, are constantly, you know, on the hunt for, for folks who want to get. Chad, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to come back, and let's do a, a, a separate interview on that because, you know, I do radio every Sunday, six hours, and all my advertisers, the majority of them are uh, shops and dealerships. Yeah. I go in and I physically go in and collect my check. I don't send invoices. I meet my people every Friday from 7 to 7. And I don't even get hellos. I get, have you found me a tech? Have you found me a service writer? Have you found me a parts person? I mean, so it's so bad out there and the lack of, and when I got this email from Zach, I thought, oh, my gosh, I have definitely got to do that. So let's take a little break, and let's come back and talk about that, all right? Sounds good. Happy to. All right, folks. Welcome back to You Ought to Know, FM 961 AM 1170, The Answer. This segment is brought to you by Express Auto Service. Go to expressautoservicelamexa.com. 
7633 El Cajon Boulevard. Work on all my cars. Work on all your cars, too. Just finished a 1970 Plymouth Roadrunner 446-pack air grabber four-speed for my cousin. You ought to see this thing. Hey, we got Brian Armstead on the line sitting in for Kristen Barclay. And we're going to talk about the new Mitsubishi Outlander PHEV. How you doing, bud? I am good, Dave. How are you? Doing the good. How's the weather back there? You, sir, I understand it's pretty nice, no? Well, um, I was in Miami all week, and I came home yesterday. You know, Miami was in the 80s. So I came home yesterday. It was like chilly, and it was in the 40s last <laughs> night, so I wasn't too happy about that. I'm not too happy about that, brother. I know. Trust and believe, I was not happy about that. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is, and, um, uh, you know, it's that time of year. I mean, sure. you know? You have seasons. We don't know what they are, but that's okay. We have seasons. Yeah, we have seasons. And the seasons aren't too bad, actually. No, no. We really um, stop You know, I, uh, last Friday, I was uh, I got a chance to check out the new plug-in hybrid from uh, Mitsubishi called the uh, Outlander. It's mm-hmm. the Outlander PHEV. It's a really, really nice vehicle, Dave. Um, it... Uh, they kind of redesigned it for 2023. Do I have the right model? Hold on. Let me double check here. I, I, that's what you had mentioned earlier, and then I, I seen some of your posts. And I think Mitsubishi yeah. is making a stellar comeback. Right. Yeah. So the Outlander, the 2022 Outlander, that's what was throwing me off. The 2022 Outlander PHEV is looks different from the 2023 model. Mm-hmm. So they've really, they've given that uh, to 2023 model a fresh face face uh, face job, basically. It mm-hmm. just looks more, looks more aggressive. Yeah, and you know, and when you think back to Mitsubishi, Dave, I mean, you can think back to the times like in 19, late 1990 and early 2000s when they were, they were really on the road. They had, a nice lineup of vehicles: Diamante, Montero, mm-hmm. Mirage, Galant. They had the three thousand GT, which was which shared a platform with the uh, Dodge Stealth. Mm-hmm. You know, they had this connection with Chrysler. I'm not sure how well that really served them in the long run, but they had pro- they had products that competed well with Ford, Toyota, and Nissan, pretty much. But then they had this marketing campaign where they gave people a chance to have like one year free financing, I believe were the terms on a new Mitsubishi. Well, that was a, that ended up costing them a lot of money because at the end of that year, you know, a lot of folks with risky or bad credit, just they either could not pay for the car, continue to pay for the car, or they did not pay for the car. Either way, they were stuck with a lot of vehicles that they had to offload. Mm-hmm. And it really kind of, put them almost on the path of, uh, of destruction because, you know, there were, there's, there have been rumors for years now about the demise of Mitsubishi. But, um, you know, i gotta got to tell you, man, they, they you know, the Outlander and the Outlander PHEB are any indication of where they're headed, then they're headed in the right direction. So they basically have three models now, the Eclipse Cross, the Outlander, and the Mirage. And the Mirage is a small vehicle. It's you know it's a nice nice vehicle. It, it gets the job done. Great fuel economy. Outlander uh, starts in the uh, mid twenties or low to mid twenties, like twenty six nine nine five. 
Clips Cross from 25795. And uh, the new PHEV variant gets 38 miles of pure electric, uh, you know, propulsion. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had a, I posted a picture of it on Facebook, and you know somebody came back and said thirty eight miles that's nothing, but I think they you know there's still a lot of I don't want to say ignorance because it's not ignorance it's just a lot of misunderstanding and misinformation and a lack of understanding perhaps is the better way to say it of what the whole future is going to be in terms of electrification right now. You know, consumers are being beat over the head. We've got Hummer. We've got Lightning. We've got Mach-E. We've got Rivian. We've got Lordstown. We've got all these cars, you know, Ionic 5. Everything's coming out the woodwork, and consumers are like, whoa. You know, what does this kilowatt per hour mean? What is, you know, what is love? What is level 2 mean? What is all this stuff, you know? We're an ICE generation, internal combustion engine generation, and a number of generations, you know, from millennials and Gen Z all the way up to baby boomers and, and past, folks who are past the baby boomer stage. We're all about gasoline and diesel, and, you know, diesel, Volkswagen put the uh, put the knife in, in diesels as far mm-hmm. as passenger vehicles go. But we still have a lot of, you know, big truckers uh, or big pickup truckers, you know, who want to you know, one-ton or, or, or greater um, three-quarter-ton, one-ton pickup truck that has a diesel powertrain so they can haul boats and trailers and horses and all kinds of stuff. So, uh, the, the you know, we're not quite there yet. And I'm not sure how we're going to get there uh, when we need diesel trucks in the future. And, you know, these trucks are running out of juice on the, on the beltway. you got an 18-wheeler electric 18-wheeler, and there are some models out there. You know, uh, Elon Musk and the cult of Elon is what I like to call it. They're still threatening to um, produce an 18-wheeler. Fine. I'm happy for Elon. I don't particularly care for his uh, the way he does business, so I'll just leave it at that. But uh, he's put out cars that are popular and have almost a cult-like following. So, uh, you know, I saw some news the other day, Dave, <clears throat> about a a 18 wheel type of deal, you know, a big rig, uh, electric, you know, it's going to, first of all, it's going to weigh a ton. You're going to need decent models because the battery packs got to weigh thousands of pounds just to get you the, the range that's going to be required to make long distance hauling via electric truck. Feasible. Well, what they're, t- I was with Toyota. We went up to Long Beach to the port and yeah. they're, they're working with Peterbilt to make a hydrogen electric. Because uh, they agree, they, there's just no way because they have a payload they have to be able to handle, and they can't have the payload be taken up by a battery. So they're working with exactly. Toyota. They're using hydrogen. Uh, I think in that I think it's going to have to be a combination, especially with an 18 wheeler, because you just you, you know you got too much freight to carry just to take you know put it on an electric. There's just no way. This is no way. And uh, Hyundai, about three years ago, I went to Atlanta to a a big rig show in Atlanta. I don't know if it was actually a big rig show, but it was a trucking show. And mm-hmm. I first one I'd ever been to. And they had a concept that looked pretty impressive, you know, and, and the way the tanks, the hydrogen tanks were stacked up behind the cab. Mm-hmm. They were in a protected position. They featured ballistic, you know, reinforcement. So you could basically shoot a rifle at this thing and would puncture the, uh, ballistic tanks but um yeah so i think hyundai and toyota i think the hydrogen platform hybrid platform is is a 
is a much more viable and feasible platform than to try to think somebody's going to actually sit on I-95 mm-hmm. or the uh, 101, <clears throat> the 101 or I-5, whatever the big highways are out in California, and wait 12 hours to recharge a you know the, the 900 battery packs right. that are required to move your freight across the country without driving the the the, uh, the driver to jump off a cliff when he's running out of juice every 200 miles. Right. Well, California doesn't think. California does not think. You know, they they well, they're they're reactive. They need to do their homework and make sure what they're proposing is going to work, and then you know, and then well, move I, on. Well, but you know, that's not just California, Dave. That's the whole nation right now. Everybody's in a rush to, and in the manufacturers, to me, are somewhat to blame. I agree. Everybody's in. You know, I'm glad you said that. Audi says. Audi says we're going electric, so then Volvo jumps on the bandwagon, and then Cadillac has this new Celestique that's going to cost three hundred fifty thousand dollars. They'll sell a few of them, but you know, after the people who have money to throw away three thousand three hundred fifty thousand dollars on a car and buy theirs, then nobody else is going to buy one. I know, and um, and then um, you know, I I think that Toyota's strategy with covering all the bases. Now, the BZ4X is a pretty boring automobile, but it, you know, gets the job done. Yeah. A couple hundred miles of range. It's not going to, nobody's going to go out of their way to buy one. But, the, you know, you have devoted fans. It's the cult of Toyota is like the cult of, of Tesla. They're, yeah. they're devoted, yeah, and, and for good reason, because they build reliable cars. Mm-hmm. But um, they, they, they're covering all the bases. They got the best hybrids on the market. They're going to have hydrogen power and electric power. And that's the way to go. I fear for these American car companies that are like, you know, to drop for Stellantis to drop the Charger and Challenger and for General Motors to drop the Camaro. It's just folly to me, Dave. I know. You're leaving Mustang. You're leaving Ford to soak up all the muscle car dollars when you could print money with char- with Charger sales. They could they could open up a, a printing shop and print Charger money and, and, and trade it like Bitcoin. You know, <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah, literally, literally. I just so don't well, get it. You think they would have learned the last time they shut the Camaro down? You think they would have learned? Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, real quick, I know we're running out of time in this segment, but the Mitsubishi Hybrid got mm-hmm. a chance to drive. Drives well. Pre-production. It's Mitsubishi's coming back, folks. I agree. This car is legit. It's it's a legit automobile. And when I get a chance to do a full production uh, uh, drive of it, then we'll we'll bring uh, Jeremy Barnes from Mitsubishi on and, and have him kind of delineate the path, the future pathway for Mitsubishi. But right now, when you look at the prices, they're kind of untouchable. And right. they do have that 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty yep. that uh, brought all, all those people to the Kia and, uh, and Genesis and Hyundai brand. So watch out, folks. Mitsubishi's back, and they're making great cars. So uh, stay tuned. We'll do more on the uh, the Mitsubishi plug-in you got in the near future. Dave, after the break, we can uh, we can go large and in charge. We're going to talk the upper end of the scale, you know, the the over six thousand pound end of the scale with the twenty twenty three Wagoneer L and Grand Wagoneer L. These are humongous vehicles, but they drive like Mini Coopers. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'll explain after the break. All right, we're going to take a quick one. Don't touch that dial. This is You Ought to Know, FM 961, AM 1170, The Answer. 
All right, folks, welcome back to You Ought to Know, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. is brought to you by John's Automotive Care, 6267 Riverdale Street. That's the original location. Go to johnsautomotiverepair.com. It's got two locations, and he's even got a classic car department. Check them out. Napa Auto Care, ASC certified, AAA. All right, we got Brian Armstead back on the line talking about the Grand Wagoneer L and regular that uh, drives like a sports car. So I guess you get rid of the Challenger and the uh, Charger and just jump in a Wagoneer. <laughs> that is crazy funny. Now, uh, let, let's just get the uh, five. 100, 500,000 pound elephant in the room. Let's just, let's just knock this off right at the top of this uh, review here, Dave. Yeah. Nowhere, and I do mean nowhere, on this Wagoneer L and Grand Wagoneer L or the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer that are not L, which means long wheelbase, will you find the name Jeep? Nope. Think, think Lexus and think Acura when you think of Wagoneer. This is the new premium upscale brand for the Jeep uh, brand. And, uh, you know, seemed a little crazy at first, but, you know, when you spend in 110, you know, but like the Grand Wagoneer, for example, starts at 88640 And that's before you add on the uh, ridiculously expensive $2,000 destination and delivery charge for a vehicle built in Detroit uh, to deliver it. Let's say you live, you live in Indiana. It's going to cost you two, $2,000 to have that thing delivered from Detroit. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, all the way up to uh, over $108,000 for the Grand Wagoneer uh, Series 3. Um, and Dave, I got to tell you, man, I was just like, okay, it's the second time I had a chance to drive it. The first time was uh, we went to the... <clears throat> Wagoneer factory in Detroit. We saw them coming down the production line and we talked to the engineers and I'm like, okay, this is, this is a cute little thing that, you know, Jeep has. Uh, but I kind of doubted it would be successful because, you know, you know, COVID and people are skittish and prices are high and there's so many variables that come into play. Part shortages, who knows? But Dave, I got to tell you, man, uh, since the Wagoneer, debuted last year, they are now the number two supersized sport utility on the market. The only vehicle that sells better than the Wagoneer series, and that includes Grand and you know, all the variants of the Wagoneer, is the Cadillac Escalade. But it is also the uh, the new Wagoneer L and Grand Wagoneer L are 12 inches longer than the standard wheelbase models. They feature seven additional inches of wheelbase versus standard wheelbase base models. And they are only four, three tenths of an inch shorter, three twelfths, what is, whatever. One is 226.7. The Escalade is 227. So these are, these are big. These are huge vehicles at the top of the scale. And, um, the thing about a vehicle this big, Dave, is that you expect it to ride big and be kind of clumsy in its operation. But no, not not the case here with the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer L. Quiet, solid, reassuring. Those are three words that I kind of came up with to describe the road experience driving these vehicles. They've got a quadrilift air suspension, moves out the roughest roadways, 
the only challenge that I found was like, you know, I live near Washington, D.C. This is not a vehicle you want to take into an inner city environment, mm-hmm. uh, folks. You know, that's where you have to park on the street. I don't care how many sensors and cameras and all that kind of stuff you have. This thing is 226.7 inches long. That's a big old sucker there, and you just don't want to deal with it. But aside from that, and it's, and it's a fairly tall vehicle as well. Mm-hmm. They've got two new engines. They've got two new engines for the um, uh, Wagoneer. The first one is a 420-horsepower twin-turbo inline-six that they call uh, the base Hurricane. They, they, they call it the Hurricane 540. They don't call it the 420, but they call the 510 the 510. Now, you want to know why they don't call it the 420 the 420, Dave? Mm. Because 420 is an is kind of like <laughs> the nickname for for marijuana. So right. They, you know, we kind of we kind of laughed. About it. I asked them. I said, "Did you not call it the 420 because of that?" They're like, "Exactly right." So they don't call it the 420. Mm-hmm. They do call the uh, bigger motor the the 510, the 510, mm-hmm. and that's a 500 uh, 10 horsepower, 500 pound feet of torque. Also a twin turbo straight. These are both straight six motors. Interesting. And they're back to straight sixes. Yeah. Remember the uh, slant six that Chrysler used to oh, build? Yeah. Yeah, a legendary engine. So they're, you know, twin turbo straight sixes. Three available 4x4 systems, Quadratrack 1, Quadratrack 2, and Quadratrack 3. That's a mouthful. Towing capacity is 10,000 pounds. Prices for the Wagoneer L 4x2 begin at $62,495. As we talked about uh, earlier, Grand Wagoneer L prices, $88,640. And again, a whopping $2,000 for destination delivery charges you can run regular uh 87 of these vehicles they get up to 24 miles per gallon on the highway that's the that's the weed version uh with four by two guys (laughs) the weed version (laughs) (laughs) and four by two guys 420 and uh mid mid grade uh 89 octane is recommended but not required like you know mercedes all mercedes benzes require premium fuel right but 87 Octane is, is acceptable. A lot of safety features, Dave. Uh, more than 120 standard safety features on these uh, uh, Wagoner models, including automatic emergency braking, active lane management, blind spot monitoring, uh, rear park assist sensors with stop control, which is great. You know, if these sensors sense that there's something in the way, it's the brakes for you. Mm. Rear cross path detection, adaptive cruise control, and much more. Now they also have taken the uh, the concierge part of this ownership experience up level with the new client services program, which includes five years of no cost dealership maintenance and twenty four seven customer support by phone, among other perks. So, Dave, if you're looking for a supersized luxury vehicle, this could be the one for you. Build quality is exceptional. Drive smaller than its gargantuan size. Uh, inside, a lot of Cool, really cool leather. You can choose from three leather trims, rather Capri, Napa, or Palermo leather. Leather, <laughs> leather. Uh, a lot of strategically placed aluminum trim, and just beautiful open pour wood on the Grand Wagoneer models. My favorite part of the interior, Dave Stall, the available Macintosh audio systems that include the yeah. iconic blue output meters on the dash. I mean, come on! You 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 blend Macintosh with Jeep, and you've got two legendary um, brands 
you know, melding together to form this uh, this this uh, pairing. The base Macintosh system features 19 speakers, including a 10-inch sub. It's powered by a 17-channel 950-watt amplifier. Step up to the MX1375 reference system, which is standard on certain Grand Wagoner trims. And you have uh, 24 speakers, I mean, 24, 24 speakers, 23 with the 12-inch subwoofer, a 24-channel amplifier, and 1,375 watts of power. It sounds ridiculously great. Mm-hmm. Above your head inside is a triple-pane sunroof, panoramic sunroof. Uh, driver and passenger front have three screens to keep them busy, kind of like the hyper screen, but they're not all one continuous screen. Mm-hmm. The screen in front of the right front passenger uh, is built into that the dash, but it's not like one continuous uh, thing, and I think that's better for maintenance over the long term because, mm-hmm. again, I can only imagine what the hyperscreen in the Mercedes-Benz is going to cost if that sucker ever breaks. <laughs> that just looks like that looks like between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars to me, and I don't know what it costs, but you know. But it looks like inside it. you got seating. It looks like it exactly, Dave. Inside you've got seating for seven or eight, and yes, the third row features thirty-six and a half inches of legroom, Dave, which means. Six foot nine, Brian Armstead can fit in the third row. Woohoo! <laughs> which stay back there. I was going to say, which so, you'll never go there. Well, I did just to see if I fit, and I do, and that's fine. That's that's a good enough experience for me. Never going back there again in my life. But I can <laughs> fit back there. But that's you know, it's just not for me. <laughs> well, how was it getting back though, there? You know, sitting there is fine, well, but you know, egress is another issue. Well, yeah, the, the second second rope uh, tumbles forward, and oh. it's, it's just in and out. Yeah, it's just it's no problem, man. And the doors on this sucker are, are enormous, Dave. I mean, they look like, you know, cargo ship panels, like when a, you know, oh. a car carrier hauling Toyotas back and forth from Japan. I mean, it's, they're broad, it's a broad vehicle. It looks massive. It looks like a rolling freight train. Wow. And then you get behind the wheel, and it's like, okay, it drives, it's nimble, it's powerful, it's quick, it's agile. It, I mean, you know, you know it's a Jeep because it's got the seven-slot grill up front. It's got triple LED headlights that are just way cool. They do a little dance. I heard uh, one of your previous guests talking about the dance that the lights do, some GM vehicles. Mm-hmm. These do the dance. You know, you open the door, you got Jeep Wagoneer. I'm not Jeep Wagoneer. You got Wagoneer logos on the ground. I mean, it's got all kinds of luxury stuff. But it's roomy inside. Even with the seats, all with all three rows up, you have 44 cubic feet of cargo room behind the third row, which is 15.8 cubic feet more than the standard wheelbase Wagoneers offer. And Dave, with those second and third rows folded flat, four by eight sheets of plywood stack right on up. You can put... 15 of those bad boys in if you strap them down because, you know, you don't want them sliding forward right. once you get past a certain height. And they've got a locking rail system on the floor, so you can strap down a whole lot of, you know, plywood should you choose to uh, to go that way. Mm-hmm. I just can't say enough about how, how pleased and how – I think this is a great vehicle. You know, if you've got 100000 you know, then, then you certainly want to plunk, plunk down for the um, – for the Grand Wagon here, because it's just, it's just grand. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's top of the line. Um, you got all kinds, of, you know, you can, even though the, the price starts at like 88, you can get over a hundred thousand dollars pretty easily. And, 
they have uh, a couple of trim levels of Obsidian and, you know, Series 3 and uh, Series 2. And then the, the uh, Obsidian starts at 101. Grand at 88.640, as we talked about. Series 2, 95.735. Obsidian, 101, 230. Series 3, 107995 and series three obsidian all the nice black obsidian obsidian is a lava rock and uh so you get the blackout trim and blackout grill and all that good stuff on the obsidian model and they have some special obsidian paint as well if you want to just go the total uh blackout look that starts at 109 635 and then you know you can add all kinds of goodies onto it so you know you're probably looking at you know 120 130, just below 134, full tilt, all the bells and whistles, Series 3 Obsidian. All right. Sound like crazy, Dave. Sound yeah. like crazy. I knew it. All right, bud. Hey, it's always good talking to you. Thanks for hanging for two segments, and uh, we yeah. will we'll be talking to you next week. A lot of fun. Thank you, um, uh, Brendan. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. That's okay. I've been gone for so long. Yeah, you thank know. you. <laughs> All right, buddy. Take uh, yeah, care. Uh, thank you, Dave. All okay, right. Brother. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the tail end of Shad's interview with GM and the technician issue. All right, folks. Welcome back. You're listening to the You Ought to Know Show, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. This segment is brought to you by Convoy Auto Service. Right up there at 3909 Convoy Street. Dave and his team are AAA, Napa Auto Care, ASC certified. Nobody does it better. And right next door is Collision Dock for all your body shop needs. Don't hesitate to go in and see Gus and the gang and tell them you heard it right here on the radio. And they'll take really good care of you for minor body work, medium body work, and full-blown body work. All the insurance companies recognize them. And you'll be in good hands with Gus and his team. Go to uh, uh, collisiondoc.com and they'll take care of you. All right, going to have to do the second part of Shad Bloch's uh, Chevrolet Technician uh, interview. Take a listen. All right, hey, folks, we're back with Shad Ball. She's the uh, director of Chevy Communication. Just got done talking about the new big bad Chevy. But what we want to talk about now that's even more important because it's great that you can build them, but you got to have people that can work on them, and that's the uh, the problem we're having with technicians. So, Shad, welcome back. Uh, I mean, this is no rocket science. You guys realized this problem a long time ago, and it looks to me like you were working on a solution. Yeah, most definitely. You know, the it's it's it's. I don't want to say it's a good problem to have, but. The problem is, is that we just don't have enough trained service technicians to meet the demand, and it's a and big it's issue. Like, yeah, and it's not like you're not paying them, because they oh make, no, they make good money at the dealership. Yeah, no, it's very good money, and it's interesting. You know, we've heard feedback some, from from folks out there who think that you know, with the move from gas-powered cars to electric vehicles, that there isn't going to be a need for service techs, and that is just couldn't be farther from the case. Not only do we still have a bunch of, you know, gas-powered internal combustion engine cars on the road, but even these EVs, these new EVs, they require service and technology technicians as well. It's not that these cars are just self-sustaining. It's a different set of training for sure. But that is what we're willing to do. We have these programs in place, and our dealer groups are involved in, in trying to recruit as many as we can for these really good, really important jobs. Right. And, 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 and so – 
what what is this program going to do? What have you got? How is that going to work? Are you going to work with community colleges? Uh, how are you going to go about this? Yeah, some, several different avenues. Most notably are the community colleges. So there are a lot of, of um, courses that that community colleges are able to more easily develop and deploy for us on our behalf. So the community college system is an excellent place for us to recruit and train service technicians. Um, most of them have some sort of a program or can direct you to some sort of program. Some are on campus, some are, you know, even participating at, at local dealers nearby. So that is an excellent method. And then just overall awareness. I mean, we have, you know, marketing campaigns in place on behalf of our dealer groups that basically just try to spread the word. These jobs exist. We will pay you well, and we will train you. Well, if I re- if my memory serves me well, back when I was a service manager, just about all the manufacturers had a division, and I can't remember what Chevrolet had called theirs, but it was it was strictly to train at the at the community college level. Six weeks at school, six weeks at a dealer, six weeks at school, six weeks at a dealer. Is that something you're going to resurrect? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the timing is of that, but we do have those those programs in place. There are apprenticeship programs that are, are you know, we develop the curriculum, GM does, and then the, you know, we, we basically hand over this toolkit to the colleges and to our dealer groups to let them implement so I'm not sure exactly what the, the final program is going to look like, but I know that this is underway. Right. Well, and, and like I said, I, I, folks, I, I can't tell you enough. If you've got a kid in the house that keeps taking your car apart, then you might want to look into a program like this cause, because the training, I mean, when the manufacturer jumps on board, I mean, they jump on board wholeheartedly. I mean, equipment, vehicles, and the, and the kids actually get to work and touch vehicles that that you and I are driving down the road. So I, I think it's going to be a, an awesome program, and we'll, we'll definitely have to do some more on this, you know, as, as we go down the road because I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer, like I said, coming from the service department, I can't, you know, I can't help myself. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And it's, there's such a great need, too. I mean, there are more cars on the road now than ever before, and more are coming there is a good, a great need to have these these trained service technicians in place. They're good paying jobs. They're obviously stable and secure because these cars aren't going anywhere. So we're just trying to do as much as we can to get the appropriate recruitment method in place so that we can get on with this. Yeah, we're. I mean, we're talking. I think these are low numbers. I'm looking at the press release: twenty-eight thousand entry, all the way up to over a hundred thousand dollars a year. And I oh mean, yeah. With benefits, with benefits. Exactly right. That's the best part is that it is, it's, you know, it's, it's something that you can make a full career out of and excellent benefits and excellent stability. And, and we've got to have guys and girls that, that can work on vehicles. I don't care if it's a hybrid. I don't care if it's gas. I really don't care because if without them, you know, we're going to turn around and say, wait a minute, what the heck did we do? You know, we don't have anybody to work on these cars. So I'm glad to see Chevrolet is is, is on the leading edge of this. Uh, I'm sure uh, down the road when you get some more information on it, uh, I'm sure, well, I guess the best thing to do is just check with your local community college and see if, uh, 
if they're doing the GM's Automotive Service Education Program, or ASAP. That's what it was called, ASAP. Yeah, that, or you can even just visit a Chevy dealer and find out where they're hiring from, because they certainly know. They know. So either yeah. way, either check with the community college or just check with the service manager at uh, the Chevy dealer, and they can point you in the right direction. Absolutely. Well, you know, this is a story we, you know, we probably, you and I need to do a little bit more than most because, again, we've got to have, and we need to talk about the service advisor position, the parts counter person. Sales, you know, that's kind of a no-brainer. People, you know, they, that, that one, they don't have, seem to have a problem filling those spots. But being a service advisor, and I'll tell you, I used to find my best service advisors at a restaurant where somebody took really good care of you, made sure the coffee cup was full, your food was done right, they checked on you all the time. They made the best service advisors. I don't want them to be a technician. I want them to be a customer uh, advocate and care about taking care of the customer. Yeah, it's one of the most important jobs. I mean, that's the time when the customers interface with not only the dealer, but our brand. And you've got to have a good, solid brand ambassador during that conversation because otherwise, just like you said, they're not going to come back. You're absolutely, and boy, I tell you, the customer out there is fickle. And plus, too, there's more than one dealership in the area. I mean, I think we've got six or seven Chevy stores here in San Diego, so, you know, people have choices. But I tell them, consider a, a dealership no different than your dentist. You know, build a relationship with your with your dealership. Get to know the service manager. Use the same service advisor. And in a lot of cases, you know, dealerships will let you talk to the technician because communication is everything. So I'm I'm very excited about about this program. I'm glad to see it's coming, and it could it couldn't came at a better time, you know, because EVs and diesels and and gas, you know. It's not, they're not easy, folks, and it takes skilled technicians to keep you on the road. All right, buddy. Hey, it was a blast talking to you. How'd you like Texas? Oh, I loved it. I had every fried, fair food you can imagine out there, and it was amazing. <laughs> You're supposed to be eating steak and steak only. What are you doing? <laughs> I had to go off a little bit. When in Texas, you know? I know. Did you gain any weight? Probably not. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to check. <laughs> Always good talking to you, and hopefully Dad's truck's coming right along because you know I'm going to hunt you down to do that one too. Yeah, definitely. April is the race, so it's uh, we're in the final stretches of it, putting back being put back together. Oh, you're like a reality show. Pressure, pressure, yeah. pressure. Yeah, I hope absolutely. I hope you're I hope you're videotaping that. Oh yeah, we're documenting all of it. I mean, it's going to be. We'll have some pretty good you know, photos and, and video of it throughout the entire build. All right. All right, buddy. Hey, say hi to the family, and let's talk down the road. Sounds good, Dave. Have a great day. You too, buddy. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right, folks. Well, hey, I'm telling you what, you want to make over you know, $100,000 a year, become a technician. Because if we don't get some techs here pretty soon, you think electric cars are going to be a problem? Ha! Who's going to work on them? Hey, guess what? Racer Radio is right around the corner. And lovely Brittany has come up with a great guest lineup. Who you got? Happy guy, happy guy. Always got a smile on his face. He's David supposed? Hunt. Yeah, and who's this lovely lady next Angela's to Angela's back. I said, are you bringing Angela? She has to work. But she's here. So that's great. So <laughs> stay tuned. Don't touch that dial. 
We're right here on FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.